0: Welcome to Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom.
1: Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. And I have, uh, my name is Tom Masters, I'll be your host, and we have uh, Dr. Hanscom with us this evening, and Uh, The title of the show tonight is very intriguing. It's called, Am I Operating on Your Pain or Anxiety? And I was wondering if you could uh, tell us what you mean by that question and uh, uh, what it means for your practice.
0: Thanks, Tom. I'm excited about talking about this topic. And it's hard for me to put into words what a huge shift this is in my thinking And about five years ago, I was talking to different people about some problems with their back and their legs, and they actually all had surgical lesions. This all happened in the span of about two weeks. So I was talking to them, asking them questions, but I noticed on their intake questionnaire that their anxiety levels were pretty high, so were their frustration levels. And of course, we all know when you're in pain, of course, it increases your anxiety and frustration levels. I also noticed they were having some marital issues, financial issues. There's some kid issues with one person. Had their child being really seriously ill with some type of cancer. And I, I find this time to said, look, if I had a choice right now of surgically or magically getting rid of your leg pain, or you had to live with the anxiety that you're dealing with right now the rest of your life, what would you choose to get rid of? And each one of them, in fact, who said my anxiety. So it was a huge wake-up call to me, realizing that as a surgeon, we're, looked at, we're focused on bone spurs, we're looking at pathology, and we're looking at pain. But what we're not trained to do is we're looking at the mental pain or the stress. So from that point on, it was fascinating because of a sudden an entire different dimension into my practice. And really, when, I'm, when I was focused on the leg pain, I was actually completely focused on the wrong issue. So it's been really a fascinating interest. That and when I think back to my own experience of chronic pain, I had back pain, I had neck pain, and all sorts of other physical symptoms. But the part that was actually crippling was the anxiety. Just absolutely drove me into the ground. So it's been a huge, huge paradigm shift in my thinking. And again, as surgeons, I dare say, including myself, that surgeons never really think about anxiety as being one of the symptoms that we're dealing with. But again, in any part of any arena, trying to get the diagnosis correct is a really critical part of of treating things. So it's very interesting paradigm right. shift for me.
1: And when uh, and when you uh, when a patient comes in, uh, you know, and you're trying to assess their level of anxiety relative to their level of pain, um, how do you normally do that?
0: Well, it happened again even today in the office. I was talking to a person. I don't exactly remember the situation, but Um, is a person who had ongoing leg pain, very frustrated and really legitimately frustrated about the leg pain, but also frustrated about a lot of things in his life in general. And again, asked the same question. So said, you're really frustrated. And I said, forget about the pain for a second. Think about just being frustrated. And what's your day like? And, And of course everybody says it's not very good. So I said, pretend that you don't have the pain. and You're just frustrated. It's not great, right? So Again, think about the pain and, you know, having a good time, laughing, et cetera, et cetera, enjoying your life. What would that be like? And, of course, it's a much better life. But, again, what happens with everybody, so with all those four patients I talked about earlier, they instantly grab their leg and say, well, if I get rid of the leg pain, will my anxiety go away? And I go, no, it's a different issue. I mean, the anxiety is a survival reflex, helps, helps you to survive. Am I like, getting rid of the leg pain? It seems logical that your anxiety would drop, but it took me decades to realize that that's simply not true. It is that your brain's designed to survive, is looking for danger every second. So if leg pain goes away, the anxiety just simply shifts to something else. So again, what really destroys people's quality of life isn't the pain, which isn't great of course. But it's the emotional component of the additional layer of anxiety that really drives people crazy. And I just have to ask. I said, look, and that's a question I do ask hypothetically, is it the pain or the anxiety? And a few people honestly say it's the leg pain they want to get rid of. But for most people, 90% of people say, look, it's really the anxiety that's really a problem. And it's difficult because we have some anxiety scales that sort of measure anxiety on a research basis. But in a given day, given moment, it's very heart of quantity and anxiety. And what you would call anxiety, I might say sign not anxiety or vice versa. So it's a very difficult question to answer. So I just ask. And people are pretty open because people really don't really think of anxiety as something that is part of this pain problem. But um, I just simply ask.
1: Do you uh, ever notice if patients feel uncomfortable talking about their anxiety or are they do they seem relieved uh, to talk about that in the context of their pain the pain they're experienced
0: yeah i mean they're pretty relieved i mean i can tell you my situation i'm a big-time surgeon i went to a major spine fellowship and i got there by suppressing anxiety in other words my image was i'm tough bring it on i can take on anything and i did i was you know quite fearless for a long time and I went from being fearless to also having panic attacks on a bridge one night. And so I literally was not connected to my anxiety. I was suppressing it very masterfully and it worked, of course, until it didn't. Once I went from nothing to a panic attack for the next 15 years, it was just a nightmare. It just kept spiraling and spiraling and spiraling. So it was fascinating with these four patients in a row that I saw, you know, five or six years ago is that they were SWAT team members, they were DE agents, they were high-level executives, very, very high-level performers. And obviously, they got there just by being tough, resilient. And for me personally, it was a very high badge of honor that I was so tough. I mean, I, that became part of my identity as being tough. But at the same time, my ears were ringing. I was having a migraine headaches. My feet were burning. My stomach was sort of a mess. And I didn't have any correlation between suppressed anxiety and these physical symptoms. Because what anxiety is, I didn't actually even know this five years ago, is simply that sensation generated by the body's stress chemicals. So if you're out in the sun, relaxing, nice day, your body's secreting oxytocin, serotonin, dopamine, the reward drug, and then you feel relaxed. So what you're feeling is that chemical surge. When your body is full of adrenaline and cortisol and histamine, you feel anxious. So anxiety is a result of those stress chemicals. It's not the cause. So you have some impulse that comes in that threatens you, whether it's a physical threat or a mental threat, it doesn't matter. Then you have the chemical surge. Then you feel the anxiety. So it turns out that anxiety essentially is the pain. And then, so then on a given day, you might be, I mean, look at football players. I mean, the amount of pain that they have, or a boxer, or even a ballet dancer, you know, putting their weight on their big Mm -hmm. toe, is that there's always the physical input from the body, and then there's always the emotional interpretation. In other words, every pain impulse has two parts. One's the actual physical, physical input from the body, Then the other part is the emotional interpretation of that. So if you're having fun or actually, I mean, running a triathlon, I mean, in my mind, how much fun is that? Well, for people that run triathlons, they do it by choice. Nobody's forcing them to do that. So it's how you interpret those pain signals makes a huge difference. The problem with anxiety, if you're trapped by it, which happens frequently as you get older, it's just intolerable because remember anxiety is a survival sensation. So the human body is designed at any cost to avoid the sensation of anxiety. And when you can't escape it, you become really frustrated, which changes your body's chemistry even more. So all these people that had the anxiety were again, very high level skilled people. And I don't know if it's probably a guy thing more than women, but all four of them were incredibly relieved to simply say, yeah, I'm anxious. I just had another high-level executive over the last three months I've been working with him for over a year, actually not my patient, but a friend of a friend. And he finally admitted that really what was bothering him the most was the anxiety more than the back pain. Huge, huge difference, because once you're aware of what the problem really is and you can solve it, the problem I can see clearly now, including myself historically is that you're going to surgery to get rid of your leg pain, where the problem really is the anxiety. But again, the expectation is, if I get rid of my leg pain or my arm pain or my back pain, my anxiety is gonna drop. And when it doesn't, what do you do? mean, there's a huge hope it's not disappeared. So a lot of people, the data shows that if you operate the presence of chronic pain, i.e. anxiety, you'd actually make the pain worse at least 40% of the time in five to ten percent of the time, that can become permanent. So the data shows that you really need to actually calm down the nervous system first before you add the more before you add in the additional trauma of surgery.
1: Ah, so and so, so really, it's kind of an education uh, for your patients that the anxiety they're experiencing is a physical. It's it's chemically generated. It's physical. Right. It can become uh, if you or the expression wired in, um, the more you experience it, the more it can be wired in and the worse it can get if it's not addressed.
0: Right, because the other problem with the stress chemicals, so it's a double-edged sword because your body's full of adrenaline and cortisol, each organ system responds in its own way. So when when it's a sustained response, in other words, chronic stress, chronic elevated stress chemicals, it's a neurochemical problem, it is not primarily a psychological problem. The reason why that's so critical is that the unconscious survival response has been documented to be at least a million times stronger than the conscious brain. So if you want to try to do battle with this neurochemical survival response by talk therapy alone, it's not going to work. And I'm a fan of psychology. I think it's extremely helpful for guidance, wisdom, and support. But if you're trying to solve anxiety, it, it, it can't work and it doesn't work. And in fact is that you can't solve anxiety. In other words, if you didn't have anxiety, you'd die. It's a survival response. So if you had no anxiety, you would not pay enough attention to the social threats or environmental threats around you, and you wouldn't survive. So it turned out that the species of homo sapiens or humans that survived was actually the most anxious, paying attention to environmental threats. So it's not only survival of the fittest, but it's actually survival of the most anxious. And again, the ones that were too relaxed in the face of danger just didn't survive.
1: So uh, once you've you've educated your patients uh, about the you know the basically how anxiety works to amplify uh, their pain, and the fact that they have to calm down their nervous system to really uh, before you know you you could address the pain with surgery or non-surgical means. Um, do you find that they're okay with that idea or do you find resistance
0: uh, that they resist the
1: idea of saying, Hey, I have to put my surgery off or not have it Oh, at all? I mean
0: there's a lot of ways Yeah, I mean I'm at a severe disadvantage because I'm the surgeon and they've been you know, patients have been bounced around a lot, nobody can find anything wrong, they get labeled as drug seekers and malinkers and and, and they're very, very frustrated by the medical system not providing them an answer. And I just went to a conference last weekend, um, which pointed out the data showed out of Boston that less than 1% of physicians feel comfortable treating chronic pain. So medicine is not giving us the correct answer, whereas neuroscience research has actually shown us the answer pretty clearly. So the patient expectation is that I'm the surgeon, I'm the last resort, and when I mentioned that there's nothing surgical to deal with, they become extremely frustrated, and understandably so. And what I have learned from my own experience, and it's really critical to understand how deep the suffering is in chronic pain. Indeed, the lifespan of people in chronic pain is actually seven years shorter than average. The chance of having heart disease or diabetes is double that of people not in chronic pain. And so chronic elevation of stress hormones creates elevated anxiety, but also creates a horrible quality of life. And it creates physical changes that actually cause the body to be off, off base. So when people say, oh, there's nothing wrong, you can't find anything wrong, that's simply not true. You know, a sustained level of stress chemicals that actually affects every organ in the body, affects every cell in the body. By the way, there's 50 trillion cells in the body. And so each one of those is based in an unpleasant, adverse chemical environment. It creates all sorts of physical symptoms. So there is something wrong. And so we've been programmed, and I think this is a problem that medicine is sold to the public, that if you hurt, there must be something wrong that we can fix. And there's endless procedures being done that really have been documented to be ineffective. And the documented procedures that are effective, that really calm down the nervous system, um, aren't covered by insurance. So what we're doing, we're actually doing procedures on people that have been documented to be ineffective. Then again, like I mentioned earlier in the interview, that the data clearly shows, there's multiple research papers showing this, that if you do surgery in the presence of untreated chronic pain, you can make the pain significantly worse up to 40 to 60% of the time. My practice, I use the word as a salvage surgeon, is brutal. People come with multiple surgeries being done over and over and over again, and they're really, their pain's way worse. It happens very consistently, but the research says that's what happens. So what's happened now, is we do, what's called a pre hap process simply been common on the nurse's system before surgery, um, pain goes away a good share of the time because the nerve conduction improves. If the pain doesn't go away and we do surgery once the nervous system is calmed down, our surgical results have been spectacular. It's been a very consistent response. So right now, if a person doesn't want to engage, say the resistance is so high, they just want things fixed, that when we... say, um, look, I'm not your team. I mean, why would I, as a surgeon, push it through an operation that has half the success rate and if we went through the process that we needed to go through, so I'm not delaying. I'm sorry. These are people that actually can see something wrong that needs surgery. And so I said, look, why would I do surgery and cut the success rate in half? And by the way, I'm a surgeon. I get paid well, whether you, whether you do well or don't do well. So it's a hassle for me from a financial standpoint to talk you out of surgery or to delay it. And indeed, it's a bit of a discipline to actually go through the process every piece and every time. There's emergencies that come up. that simply take people to the operating room, literally right out of the office. I'm not afraid to do that. But for elective surgery, we found out that by calming down the nervous system, it makes a huge difference. I mean, for, for another example is I had two people from the East Coast come in in one week, both from New England both extremely successful high-level businessmen, both had had two surgeries that had failed, and they were here to talk to me about doing another operation to solve their problem. And not only had the surgery failed, they were worse. And I looked at the scans before surgery. I didn't think they were that bad. I wasn't sure why the surgery was done, to be honest with you. Then I looked at the new scans, and there's absolutely nothing there that would explain the ongoing leg pain. And I also noticed other anxiety-depression scales that they were pretty elevated, and I, I finally stopped because I had forgotten to ask that question, if I, is it the pain or is it the anxiety? And both of them said, hand down, it's the anxiety? And again, the entire conversation changes. Come to spend the entire time looking at the scans, looking for some surgical solution to something that's actually anxiety, which is a chemical problem, not a structural problem. And the entire conversation changed, and they're both actually doing pretty darn well by doing the tools that we've talked about on the doc project of just calming down and rerouting the nervous system. But again, getting the diagnosis correct is a huge deal. And I can't even put into words again how flabbergasted I am that anxiety is such a big deal for all these patients. And how many patients have I done surgery so, on? Really, it was the anxiety and not the pain. And I don't have many surgical failures in my practice anymore. If we get this stuff really sorted out ahead of time, we really do the what we call the prehabitant ahead of time. So it's been a remarkable shift in my paradigm, and I can tell you 99% of surgeons don't think this way, and that would absolutely historically include myself. So I'm not being critical of the surgeons. It's just something that we just never really, really even thought about.
1: Well, it sounds like as uh, as uh, these concepts uh, get better known, uh, hopefully more surgeons will be adopting the approach that you've adopted and, uh, you know, achieve the kind of uh, improved success rates when they actually do do surgery and maybe uh, do fewer surgeries if, if uh, the problem can be solved without surgery.
0: Right. And the other thing what we're doing, I mean, we simply have patients work on sleep, the stress, the writing, and physical conditions. So what we're doing on every patient every time now is that a lot of people have anxiety that they're not even connect, connected to. It. I mean, I have it happen every day also. People say, I'm not anxious. I mean, my life's pretty good. I'm doing pretty well. And my next question is, well, what about the pain? I mean, the pain's a big stress, and people really aren't happy about being in pain. And let's say no other stress in life at all, the pain's enough. I mean, chronic pain is an unpleasant experience that you can't escape. It can't get much worse than that, really. So, once we sort of get that on the table, we say, "Fine." We're going to go through the process of calming down the nervous system every patient, every time. So, going back to the question that you said before, how do you assess people's anxiety? And so, people can be incredibly anxious, like I was, and not feel the anxiety but get physical symptoms instead. So there's anxiety that you're connected to and can feel, but what's even more damaging to the body's chemistry is suppressed anxiety. So you may not feel anxious at all. I certainly didn't. And I was having multiple physical symptoms that were quite extreme. I just thought it was part of life and whatever. I really didn't think about it very much. I just kept plowing ahead. And when that sensation of anxiety finally broke through, it was just brutal. It was by far the worst part of the process is that unrelenting sensation of anxiety. Again, I thought it was psychological. I went through counseling and psychotherapy to try to solve the problem, and it actually got worse. But again, I didn't realize this mismatch of this million-to-one unconscious survival response compared to the psyche. And so, yeah, I had no chance, and it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. So it was only by accident that came out of it by myself and it took another five years to figure things out in the last three years of neuroscience research has been absolutely incredible showing us what the problem is. It's become very very clear
1: well with uh, uh, just as kind of a final question here uh, do you see this uh, approach being uh, adopted uh, more in the in the area of uh, of surgery going forward as this research becomes more widely
0: known? Well, right now, not really being particularly critical of physicians, because, I mean, we really aren't trained this way. To me, it's actually a public health message. I mean, my whole goal is to really get this out into the general public knowledge. And whether it's primary care or the internist or the surgeons, why we just aren't really aware of this. And but if. It, yeah, so I mean, really, it to me, it's like a public health situation. I'm trying to go out to the public with the message, why I'm actually doing this podcast, but also trying to educate physicians. I do give lectures all over the country to physician groups who have been very interested and open to these ideas. And then there no, if you look also in the Internet and the lay literature, there's a whole different sense of, connecting to the body, connecting to the mind, trying to calm down the nervous system. And there's lots of ways of doing that process that seem to be more and more adopted by the general public in general. So I think really the general public is really the one that's going to, going to create this change in the big picture. But, yeah, well, huge good shift. Yeah, I mean, it's very rewarding for me to be able to say, look, it is anxiety, and not spend all this time. I may mean, I spent an hour with these two gentlemen from the East Coast, I kind of forgot the surgical problem, and it was anxiety the whole time. So once it came out into the air in the open, they were relieved. I was relieved. I was excited because this is a solvable problem. And if I had said, hey, look, sorry, I can't find surgical lesions and the back on their way, they'd have no chance, right? So it's incredibly rewarding for me to make the correct diagnosis and help guide people on a, on a healing pathway as opposed to doing another procedure that doesn't work. So for me personally, it's been a very, very rewarding paradigm shift, and it's been a big one.
1: Well, I want to thank you for uh, sharing uh, your experiences and also sharing this this exciting new uh, concept of pain and the interrelationship between pain and anxiety with our listeners this evening, and uh, we want to let everyone know that uh, we'll be back next Wednesday with another podcast uh, with Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom and thank you for listening
0: thanks Tom thanks for listening today and join us next week for Back in Control Radio